about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. O Lord, You have searched me and You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were, were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are, are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God! Away from me, you bloodthirsty men! They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, The second reading is from John chapter 1, starting at verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, 
You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Uh, We are doing a series in January called Known by God, which might be a phrase you haven't heard before, uh, but we think a lot about what we know about God and what we know about ourselves, but the Bible actually tells us that God knows us, that the defining characteristic of the Christian life is not that we know Him, but that He has drawn us into relationship with Himself. Last week, uh, Roger talked about God's tattoo. If you're interested in that, hop on online and go have a listen. It was a great sermon. But today we're moving to a different body part. We're moving from the arm to the eyes. And we're having a a thought about God's sight, which is interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you've seen the movie Avatar. I think it was the first great 3D film. I think there were some attempts before it. All of them failed. This was great. Uh, Blue aliens with shiny, sparkly spots on them and stuff, and in another world, it was great. Um, And when Jake Sully uh, came among these people, this tribe uh, on a foreign planet, uh, he learned their greeting. I wonder if you remember it. Their greeting was, I see you. And so Jake Sully takes this on his lips and comes up to someone and says, well, I, I see you. And they say, no. You don't see this. You see here. It wasn't an outward seeing of physical things, but an an inward affirmation of a fellow creature. An appreciation of their essence as a person, a knowing of their self. It's a fascinating little uh, thing it teaches us, I think, about our longing as humans to be affirmed and known daily, to be seen, touched, spoken to. Without those moments in our days with others, we literally feel alone, lost even. Such is the longing of our hearts to be seen. But it's not only that we long to be seen, we're also kind of terrified of it. If someone saw me as I actually was, saw my foibles and misalignments and my bad habits, surely they would reject me. We long to be known and we're terrified of it in the same breath. Our culture's solution to that problem is to become more self-interested, to inflate the self to make a bigger, more accomplished, more impressive, perfection self. And that's where Psalm 139 calls us out and says we have got it all wrong. If you want the affirmation that you long for without the terror, you don't need a bigger view of yourself. You need a greater vision of the God who knows you. As Soren Kierkegaard said, the greater the vision of God, the greater the self. And so I want to have a journey through Psalm 139 tonight and tell you four things that I think will enlarge not your vision of yourself, but your vision of God, that you might rest secure 
as his creature, seen by him. Four things. Here's the first one. He wondrously sees. He wondrously sees. What I love about this psalm is David's wonder. It could be eight verses long, this psalm, but it's 24 instead. And and David spends 18 of them in, in this kind of swept up adoration. He's lost for words at the knowledge of God, of his immensity, of his perfection and majesty before him. In verse 6, he says of God's knowledge of himself, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty. It's too high up. I can't even reach it. And then later in verse 17 and 18, he he says, if I were to, to count up your thoughts, they'd outnumber the number of sand grains. He's lost in wonder at the way that God wondrously sees and knows all things and knows Him. But what's remarkable about God's knowledge in this psalm is that He doesn't just know about David. You know, God's not into just surveillance. I went into J-Car recently in Alexandria, and that place is just filled with security cameras now. It says something about us as a people, I think. Uh, But God isn't just surveillance God. You know, He's not just checking in and finding data. He doesn't know about David from this psalm. He knows David. It's a personal knowledge. So in verse 2, God knows the kind of habitual rhythms of David. He knows when he sits and when he rises. He knows when he journeys out and when he goes to sleep. He's familiar with all his ways, with the things that make David, David. He knows his thoughts to the extent that um, before a word has been uttered from his mouth, God knows it end to end, the reason why it's going, the reason where it will go, and its essence. You know, like those cute old couples who know each other so well that they finish each other's sentences? You might have grandparents like that. The conversation, they just kind of finish each other's thoughts rather than giving their own. Those kind of old couples. God is like that. A deep personal knowledge of all things, including us. How? Well, we get more insight a bit later in the psalm. In verse 13, David describes how God has knit him together in his mother's womb. How his frame wasn't hidden from God when he was in the depths of the earth. How God in verse 16 saw his unformed body, saw his mass of moving cells, literally his embryo. Before anything came to be, he saw the essence that would come together and saw every day that would come after that and how the whole thing would be one story that is David. He saw into the womb. And you know, we still don't know how cells become souls, how DNA creates people who are particular, who come out with a particular laugh and humor and essence. We don't get that. We still don't understand that with modern science. And yet God knows from the beginning all the way to the end. He is the only one who actually knows every human story and the story of his whole creation. He wondrously sees all things 
especially his creatures. He has an intimate acquaintance with us. Now, if that doesn't strike you as absurd, just pause for a second. You know, we really are specks in vast, heartless space. We are not that significant at all. But for some reason, he sees us. He wants to know us. He is acquainted with us. Do you catch the wonder of that? The absurdity of the infinite, immense God doing that. He wondrously sees. But the second thing we see in this psalm is not just that he wondrously sees, but the reason he sees is because he is constantly and intimately present Now, you see this in kind of the middle part of the adoration section of the psalm. You could jump from verse uh, 6 to verse 13, really, without catching your breath. They kind of flow. But in the middle, uh, David gives a reason why God sees, how he sees, why he is so acquainted with all things. And it has to do with his presence in all things, with all things, at all times. David says, where can I go from your spirit? I I can't get rid of you. If I go up to the highest spiritual place, you already rule that. If I make my, my bed in Sheol in the place with the dead, you're still there ahead of me. If I grab the, the wing of the sun as it rises or run to the edge of the ocean, there you are. Even if I wander into darkness where no eyes can see, into dark, troubled, difficult places, They are still as light to you. He is present to all things, with all things, because by His Spirit in every moment, He is upholding them all. He is intimately acquainted with everything in His creation. Now, this is, I think, very countercultural in Newtown now, this vision of God. I've I've talked to a lot of people in Newtown and Erskineville recently, and to be honest, a lot of them believe in God, or at least some sort of power that energizes creation. It's just that they think that that power is, one, impersonal, and two, distant. Kind of off somewhere else, uninterested in what is happening. But the vision we have here is vastly different. It's of an infinite, immense, majestic God, bigger than we could possibly imagine, who in his exalted power is close, present at all times, to all things. And because of that, he knows, he sees, we can't get rid of him. Now, now you might be like one of these people I've had conversations with recently who feel like God has abandoned them. Who feel like because of the circumstances of life that have been pressed upon them that he isn't really showing up anymore. He isn't really answering prayer. Spiritually, he is feeling like Newtown says, the far distant impersonal God. I'm sorry you're in that space. It's hard. But I want to say that Psalm 139 says different. 
despite circumstances and despite how you feel, you can't get rid of him. He's already there with you. And he's not leaving. David talks about this presence with him, not as creepy, but he says in verse 10, even there what? Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's anointed Messiah, given a portion of the Spirit, senses that God is with him, strengthening him, present to him always. It's a remarkable vision of the Almighty God. He wondrously sees and he is constantly and intimately present. And that leads to the third thing, which is that he already knows. He already knows. That stuff you're going through that you think no one could understand, that no one has seen, that no one is present to, he already knows. He's already there. He's already amongst it. He already knew about it before your days began. You are not alone. He already knows. But that's a thought that cuts both ways. And you catch this in verse 19. I hope you saw it. There was a big jarring gear change in the middle of this psalm. Uh, I hope you saw it. In the middle in verse 19, all of a sudden there's adoration, adoration. God, you're amazing. You know me so well. How about you slay some people? Literally the first word is, will you slay? It's a big jarring moment. I remember once at a conference hearing someone uh, sing a song on this psalm that they'd composed, and it was beautiful, lyrical, amazing. Her voice, sweet as her strumming, incredible. But I was reading along, and I'm looking, what's going to happen at verse 19? Like, is she going to smash her guitar or something? Is she going to scream into the microphone? Like, how do you make a gear shift out of what she's doing now into that? And so it's building with anticipation, and I'm watching the psalm move forward, thinking this is going to be great. Verse 19 comes... And she skips. Skips over to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. There's no room in a beautiful song about how God knows me for violent words like that. But I think uh, we're not giving David his credit as a poet here. He knows exactly what he's doing. You're supposed to feel the gear slam. You're supposed to be shocked out of what you've been hearing for a moment and realize that if God is present to all things and knows all, that in fact He is not neutral to what is going on. In fact, what David calls out are the very things that God calls out in His law. God uh, David asks God to slay bloodthirsty men, murderers, who break that commandment. Those who speak with evil intent, adversaries who misuse God's name like the third commandment. He's calling on God to enact his justice against those who break God's law. Because if God knows perfectly all things, then he already knows when we break the pattern of life that he made us for. He already knows. You see, that is actually a more terrifying thought. That he already knows. That the secret things we keep hidden 
for fear that others would reject us. He already knows. And that we cannot escape His verdict on us. I think sometimes we expect God to be like a counsellor. I was trained as a counsellor. And we were trained uh, in, in the place of therapy to open up what you call a space of unconditional positive regard. That whatever comes out, you just stay neutral to it so that you can help them find another place. It's great. It's very important to the counseling relationship. But it is not the way God works. God is not sitting neutrally at the other side of the room. He has some thoughts about the way it works. About the way He made it. I think in the end, this is actually a thought that brings freedom. He already knows. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to hide. You don't have to kind of pretend it's all okay inside you when the one true God who has known you from birth sees and already knows. Instead, this becomes an invitation to step out of darkness into His light and own the fact that you are not okay. That what is in here, even if you've grown up in church, doesn't work all the time. It's misaligned. It doesn't go about God's intention and His judgment would fall on us in the light of day. He already knows. But the fourth thing we want to see in this psalm and the place where this lands for us is that really what this psalm is inviting us into is a kind of surrender to God's knowledge of us. David ends with this prayer that really is the intention of his whole psalm. And it's an intimate prayer of surrender that moves from kind of a way, through the rest of the psalm, we've kind of passively been letting God know us. But at the end of the psalm, David invites God deeper in to the depths, to his heart, to his anxious thoughts to the secret places that even he doesn't understand. He invites the all-knowing one in because he is the only one, the one who knit us together in our mother's womb who can re-knit the things that we cannot fix. The offenses that we cannot mend. It's a prayer asking, surrendering saying, search me, know me, test me. And when you find it, lead me in the way everlasting. My question to you tonight is whether that's a prayer you're going to start 2018 with. You see, as we conclude, I can think of a lot of reasons why you don't want to pray that prayer. Mainly just fear. Fear of the fact that you know that the stuff inside you isn't okay. You know, I spent my first 15 years of life out of church convinced that if I was honest with God, there would be nothing but judgment for me. That's what I grew up knowing, for sure, because I knew myself. But then someone told me about Jesus. 
The Jesus we read about who meets Nathaniel and says, I know what's inside you. And says, I saw you before you got here. In Jesus was Psalm 139, someone who could see inside people, who had that sense of someone's whole story, the Creator come amongst us. He walked around knowing every human story, but He didn't come in judgment. He who was the only one there was no offensive thing in, became the wicked person's slave. That God might find no more impurity in you. God cut him off so that you might freely approach him, asking, praying this prayer, knowing that it is not judgment you will receive, but life. Because judgment has fallen on him. I want to invite you today to come with confidence to God. Knowing that whatever is inside you, whatever you want to keep hidden, whatever it is you don't even know about yourself yet, that the blood of Jesus has already dealt with it. So you can freely come and ask Him to search you and lead you and remake you. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, we have caught a glimpse of your immensity tonight. Of your far-exalted, infinite, majestic self and your spirit who is near. That you know us is beyond comprehension. That you're with us in the darkness and the loneliness of life at times when no one else is, is astounding. And we come today confident not in ourselves, but confident in Jesus' death for us. And we pray with David, search us, know our hearts, see if there is any offensive way in us. And by the power of your Spirit, by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, lead us in the way everlasting. Remake, weed out those things that displease you in our hearts and turn them into places you love for the glory of Jesus Christ. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.